gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of The Right Fit. I'm your host, Daryl Jacobs. Join me every Friday, noon Eastern time with decision makers in collegiate athletics and professional sports. But joining me today is a dear friend, the Chief Operating Officer for Athletics at Kennesaw State University. Please welcome to the show, Miss Tamika Smith-Jones. Oh, I love the cheers. <laughs> Seems like I need to do a hoo-hoo right there. Well, it's you. We have a small, you have a following. You know, you have your theme music and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, but you have a following. But thank you for taking the time um, today to join me here on The Right Fit. And we're going to talk all things Tamika Smith-Jones and your experience as well as the wonderful institution of Kennesaw State University. But before we get started, Q&A, talk about your journey into collegiate athletics. I, I always kind of stumble when I talk about my journey into collegiate athletics because that's pretty much how I got in it af after being a, a scholar athlete. Um, most folks that know me know I started out at a predominant white institution, Troy State University back then, but Troy University now Division One, as a women's basketball scholarship athlete. I always stop and pause for a moment when I say that because it's the same spot that John Lewis um, grew up in that community and was not admitted, even though he was eligible and, and, and qualified to attend. So that was in the 70s. I got a full scholarship in the 90s. So I just like to pay, pay you know, homage to, you know, where we've come when people feel like sometimes we hadn't, hadn't, hadn't made quite the journey. So I'm grateful for the shoulders that I stand on. Um, had a wonderful time there at Troy uh, State University, met some beautiful people, um, great coaches that's still keep in contact with. Um, but, you know, socially, um, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, there was a lot of gaps in that experience. Athletically, academically, um, you know, the community that we tried to build, um, I think, was the best it could be for, a, you know, black scholar athlete at that time. But um, after two years, I decided to transfer. I, I have a real heart for the transfer portal right now um, because I understood um, then what I was feeling, but not couldn't put words to it. And sometimes even now, when you look in the transfer port portal, you know, there are reasons why, you know, it's just a better, you know, move for students to, to, um, go back to their hometown or, um, be closer to family or, you know, do something different to make sure they matriculate. And that's what we say as administrators is our ultimate goal. So, um, I transferred to Alabama and I'm a historically black college and university. I stayed in Alabama. My parents are from Alabama. So, um, that just seemed like a, a good place for me to stay. And I always say I got all of my life at Alabama A&M. Um, you know, A&M really taught me, you know, how to show up fully as a person um, in a world that sometimes I would be the only one. I would be the first one that I would, you know, um, not feel that sense of belonging. Um, and, you know, playing ball at A&M, um, you know, getting my education at A&M in the classroom and outside of the classroom was priceless. So 
earned my degree in, in business administration at Alabama A&M. And my assistant coach at the time got the head coach job at Savannah State. And that's how I got into college athletics. He called me one day. I, I was done uh, probably a couple of weeks out of earning my um, bachelor's degree and said, you know, we never talked about you being a coach, but I think you'd be a great coach. I guess that's the rhythm in my conversation or something. He, you know, figured I'd be a great coach or maybe because I was the point guard at the time and could run the show a little bit. But um, my mom overheard that conversation. I was telling him, no, I wasn't interested, you know, had done enough school. It was all good. Thank you, coach, for everything. I'm going to go on and own my own business, which I eventually did. Um, And my mom said, who is that? And I told her and she said, when do you need to be there? And (laughs) in like a week, I was in Savannah, Georgia. Beautiful, beautiful place, Um, you know, as a graduate assistant and, um, you know, being able to earn my master's in public administration there and being assistant coach. I mean, as a graduate assistant, I was doing everything between the Dobo job and the director of ops job and the assistant coaches job and filling all the gaps for the head coach that he needed and called called on me for. So, you know, talking about budget and travel plans and checking academic, you know, um, requirements and, you know, the whole gamut. It was uh, it was a major, amazing opportunity that I had no idea um, that I'd be getting into. Did that for two years as a grad student, earned my, my master's in public administration, went on to I got a call from um, the AD at Morris Brown College saying, uh, do you want to come home? That was a no brainer. Came to Atlanta to Morris Brown College um, as an assistant women's basketball coach and, and um, got into administration at, at that time, which was, uh, you know, just me growing, raising my hand to do different things. Um, ended up being uh, a, an assistant, you know, athletic director from some of the skill sets that I had that they were pulling out of me and um, and did that for several years. Uh, Morris Brown lost its accreditation uh, when it made the transition to Division One, which was unfortunate. But, you know, that experience at Morris Brown really sharpened my skill sets. I got a chance to get involved in facilities operation, um, work with some of the best and the brightest. Um, really continue to build on the experience that I thought college should be for student athletes, for coaches, for staff. Um, when they lost the accreditation, I was fortunate that Clark Atlanta was across the street in the AU Center. Didn't even have to change my path to work. Um, they saw my work. We had been colleagues. I had been colleagues with many of them um, at that university for years um, while I was at Morris Brown. And they gave me an opportunity to come across the street and, and coach and be an administrator. So I, I came as appointed um, senior woman administrator. So that really was the second in command. I had a lot of responsibilities there um, to help lead that staff, um, grow myself, but also support the athletic director. Um, that probably was the first time I really had a, a direct track to the cabinet level, to the president, uh, which really you know expanded my my growth and skill sets and and how I managed and navigated campus um, differently than just the collegiate athletic director. Um, But I did that role at Clark Atlanta, senior woman administrator and and head coach for five years. And I had my firstborn, who's now a sophomore at Clark Atlanta. So excited and proud of him. Um, And, you know, things started looking differently, differently for me as a parent in this profession. 
And so, again, I have a heart for, you know, parents and in, in, in college athletics because it's a it's a grind. It's a demand. Uh, but you can do it. You can do it. So I stepped away from coaching, stayed in administration, uh, had been mentoring and modeling for uh, one of my student athletes who I, I asked AD, could I give an opportunity to um, to serve in that role um, interim? I would support and, and um, be her assistant, believe it or not. Um, and that, you know, I solved the problem. I gave him a problem because I was stepping away from co- coaching, but I solved the problem by saying, I've got a mentee that is ready to step in this role. I'll support her until she's ready to find her own staff. So we did that for a year. She was ready to, to take, take the reins and lead that, that program. And, and I was able to step into full-time administration at, at Clark Atlanta, um, and from there, I just continued to grow as an administrator, um, did everything that I, I could to make make our our uh, department better and um, went out on maternity leave and the AD resigned and the president called to say, when you come back, can you be interim athletic director, service interim athletic director until we do a national search? Um, I said, sure, no problem. Thought it would be a you know, couple of you know, months or so. It ended up being a year. Um, but you know, the, the, the key part of that story is that I had worked for several years with my colleagues and we had been building this thing and, and working together and having ideas and visions that, you know, maybe the former athletic director was not necessarily bought into or did not, you know, care to go in, in that direction. I get in the seat as an interim. We start talking about those same things. I take the risk and, 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 and go and, I mean, the trajectory of Clark Atlanta at that time, as you know, Daryl, was amazing. Uh, we, you know, won across the board. We didn't just win, you know, on the playing surface. We we won in the classroom. We won in the community. One of my pride pride moments at Clark Atlanta was winning the NCAA Community Service um, Community Engagement Award. I mean, um, who would have thought? I mean, we were just doing what we did in, in on our campus and in our community, but Winning the men's basketball championship was another. I mean, we first ever volleyball championship, but really, you know, being a part of that campus and that community in a very significant way as the athletic director um, for my five years was um, was priceless. Uh, it, you know, being able to be mentored by the president and being able to build relationships with the cabinet, people that I still communicate with today that I can call on to, you know, that check on me um, uh, was priceless. I left there. Um, because I was recruited away. I did not want to leave my hometown, Atlanta. Clark was good to me. Uh, I'm still vested $25,000 a year to Clark Atlanta um, and my son and, and anything else they need on that campus. But um, UTSA was starting football, needed a leader um, that had some real experiences to run the internal operations. And um, I took a look at that opportunity and, and just could not resist it. I mean, that that leadership team, I would I was the first minority senior leader on that team at that time. Um, they were at the FBS level, you know, couldn't get get any better than that for me. You know, coming from a division division two to FBS, um, you know, just was a crazy career trajectory. Um, was there for two years as the senior associate for athletics, um, running the internal affairs and um, learned a lot uh, of things that, you know, I didn't know at the Division II le- level, but also learned that the things that I learned at the Division II le- level translated and transferred to the Division I level. So same budgets, just different numbers, you know, more zeros, you know, same processes, uh, same NCAA compliance, same love and, and care for your coaches, your student athletes and your staff. 
Um, but it was a large research institution and it was a lot of moving parts and it, it helped me to be able to synthesize and get in sync with, you know, the rhythm of a campus and, and how to touch the things that, you know, and the people and places that you needed to and also be in the community. So great times at UTSA for two years there. And then um, UC Riverside, uh, Chancellor called me um, looking for a diverse pool of candidates uh, with a certain profile and skill set. And, um, you know, never thought I'd go all the way to California trying to stay in Atlanta, but I did. And that that time was, you know, was really um, special. I spent about five and a half, six years there. Pandemic really, you know, changed that uh, plan. Also, my son coming back to this side, this coast for college um, and the pandemic. It was just, you know, kind of a career audible to uh, make the move from Riverside back to um, Atlanta and being able to land at Kennesaw State, uh, R2 institution, um, FCS, um, um, football. Didn't know how much I missed miss football until I was at Riverside trying to, you know, lead a, a, a predominant basketball program um, and trying to build that community, the connectivity, the, the you know, um, the celebration and support around student athletes that they deserved and need. Um, it was different. Um, we did it. I mean, at Riverside, all of our metrics were up um, financially, um, more championships in the Division One era than ever. Um, you know, I think we came together as a as a campus and a community a lot, lot better during my time um, because of the team that I built and the the um, goals that we had to make sure that our student athletes and coaches and staff had the support that they needed and deserved on a high research campus where athletics was really, you know, uh, not a priority um, as, as much as it should have been when I got there. But when I left there, uh, I know I left it in a better place and, and I'm really fortunate that Kennesaw had a, a, a new position um, that they, they, um, they um, wanted to bring on board to help our athletic director here be able to you know, run the day-to-day -day more efficiently so that he could do the external things. So um, I know that was a long story, but you know, it's, it's been 25 years of a journey. So uh, hopefully that that answered your question, Daryl. It, it did, and it, and the journey is not over. Um, when you was at University of California Riverside, you were one of the few uh, female ADs, let alone African American uh, directors of athletics, and um, that's certainly on the horizon. Your next stop, whoever gets you, is getting a tremendous leader and um, an advocate for student athletes as well. Talk about the area you oversee of what you exactly do at Kennesaw. When you hear COO in regards to athletics, people get nervous. They're like, what is that? You know, when I was bringing you on the show and I said, you know what, watch the show. I'll let her explain to exactly what she do and talk about some of your duties as well. Yeah. So C COO, chief operating officer in business and, and, um, and, and, um, in the secular world, it is exactly what it sounds like. It is uh, the the chief person, the head person that um, manages all the operations. And so, you know, it, you know, our AD at, at Kennesaw was very clear that he needed a, a bona fide number two, someone that could, you know, 
answer the questions, the calls, stand in the gap um, of, in any area. Now, that's not to say that I'm an expert in every area, but, you know, considering a 25 year career, I've done a lot of things. I've sat in the seat. I've been a support person. Um, I've had my best time. I'm having the time of my life right now at Kennesaw being the number two and the support person for someone else. I sleep better at night. Trust me when I tell you. But um, it really is the person that, you know, manages everything the the personnel the so I, I do a lot of the you know the hiring and the recruitment process um, coaching our staff up and and um, making sure that they are knowledgeable and educated and have the resources and tool tools and areas for, such as you know NCAA or uh, diversity equity inclusion and uh, cultural competencies and uh, all those things that maybe fall in the gray area and outside of uh, specialized um uh, roles and responsibility. I deal with the budget. So budget reports up through me. It's a dotted line with our campus. Um, so forecasting and planning and um, prioritizing where we're going to spend the money, why we need to spend it here and there. Um, because I am looking at the big picture. I'm, I'm looking at the total program. And so when when I have sports supervision as well, so basketball, men's and women's are my primary sports. I've taken on women's soccer and women's lacrosse this year as well. So when we're looking at, you know, where we're going to, you know, spend, we've got to look at the risk factors. We got to look at, you know, what's going to accelerate our vision, our strategic plan, you know, fastest um, and, and where the real needs are in conjunction to everything else that is going on. Um, I deal with all the operations. So, you know, where, where there might be capital projects, game day operations, um, you know, anything that, you know, that is going on in the department, it is really funneled through me to put eyes on it, be attuned to it, get the information to the proper people on campus. Um, I have a lot a lot of my responsibility is connected to our cabinet um, um, level um, in, in as a liaison to our athletic director and also to make sure that I'm giving him the information that he needs in real time. He don't have to be in all of it every day. But he does need to know what he needs to know every day. So we have to be in lockstep uh, on a lot of things. So um, it's a real fun role. It's um, it's intentional. Um, it's strategic. Um, first job I did coming in was was building out our strategic plan. The first ever. We're going to be rolling that out here shortly. Um, I've, I've taken on with my team, our HR team, a, a compensation project. Um, with HR and our budget office to make sure that our our um, our salaries for our coaches and staff and, and all support services was up to par. They hadn't been touched in many years. So we did a cost of living, you know, assessment. We did um, uh, assessment on the advancement. You know, how many people have been promoted and advanced in our department in the last three to four years? You know, what our position descriptions look like. So, I mean, I can run the gamut on things that I deal with and touch, um, but the thing that I think about the most every day when I show up um, for work is um, I make sure balls don't get dropped. I make sure that I'm filling every gap. So if people bring things to me, uh, many times it's, it's, it's a challenge. It's a hurdle. It's an enabling factor. They're bringing it to me to help them figure it out. And so that's what I enjoy doing. It's different every day for me. Um, when I'm bumping around and smiling, things are good. But in the middle of that smile, I could have to pivot. And I say all the times that that pros pivot. Um, and you just want to make sure that that the lives of your coaches and your staff and your student athletes is continue to you know develop, to be uplifted, that the strategic vision of our director and our campus community um, is moving forward. And so um, that's where I spend my time every day, just trying to 
find ways to do that for us. Well, henceforth, why you just gave everybody why you were the right fit for the, this, this position coming into Kennesaw State University. And and you mentioned, you know, not dropping the ball, allowing things to drop um, as well. Henceforth, why you got a good football team because they're not dropping the ball, um, you know, as well. Um, you hit upon it earlier a little bit about being a former uh, student athlete at the collegiate level, Division One, particularly, you know, as well as a former coach um, as well. I have a lot of coaches and administrators who tune into the show. Talk about the transition. How was it? You know, you hit upon it briefly, but I want you to really talk about it. And, you know, they begin to see how full circle you have come from being a student athlete, going into administration. But talk about that transition a little bit more, more in depth um, in some of the challenges that you had and some of the failures um, that you had, which are good. I always tell people failure is good. They used to look at me like I was crazy. Hey, my grandma said you fail up. As long as you're falling up the path, you, you're good because everybody's going to fail at something at, at, at some point. So thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share that, uh, because that is really a pivotal time in my career. Um, going from a, a student athlete, having just earned my, my bachelor's to a grad student and being a part of a staff. And so I s- stopped right there to say grad students are a part of the staff like we, we need grad students and we need to continue that pipeline because that's how you get truly de- developed. Um, I, as a grad student, I saw all the things differently that was happening while I was a student athlete and realized how much my coaches were doing for me, uh, the support staff were doing for me to set me up for great success. And so um, that's the heart that I, I function in every every day is, you know, how do I set everybody around me, whoever I'm engaged with and involved with and on the team, how do I set them up for success? And um, I think that grad student role allowed me to touch a lot of things in athletic administration. Like I was saying, you know, I was, I was making travel plans for our team. I was making sure our student athletes were going to class and, and had their academics as a priority. I was making sure that game day was set up. The, the arena was set up. Um, you know, I was trying to anticipate, that's a skill most people don't think about a lot, but you have to be able to anticipate in a role like a chief operating officer. And as assistant coach, you should be anticipating what your head coach needs would be saying. Um, I pride myself in getting in the mind of whoever I'm working with. Like right now with our athletic director, um, he is a, a, a business brain. I have business acumen as well. High business acumen, actually. Um, and just to be able to connect with him and figure out what is he thinking next? He sends me so many documents and things for me to look at and review. And I go through it with a fine tooth, you know, fine pen and mark it up and say, you know, this is what I'm thinking. This is a question that came to mind when I read this and I get send it, take it back to him, talk to him, talk him through it and say, what were you saying right here? This didn't feel like a complete thought. Or what if somebody's looking at this, that, you know, doesn't know what, you know, um, the, the collegiate jargon, how would they, and he, and he's just like, you know, I'm good at what I do and he's good at what he does. And together we make a great partnership. So when you talk about, you know, what you're learning as a student athlete, as a grad assistant, as an assistant coach, as your journey continues to, to track up and, and grow, you'll need all those, those skills and, and, and um, things in your toolkit. As an assistant coach and a head coach, um, I think the biggest thing is is you're dealing with people. 
And you got to learn you got to learn how to deal and work with people and personnel. And I'd say all the time, I don't treat people like I want to be treated. I treat myself very well, but I treat people like I want to be treated until I learn how they want to be treated. Then I try to treat them like they want to be treated. That's how you really build intentional and deep relationships with people. And you show people you really care about them. For example, if I can stand getting text messages and phone calls all evening while dinner's going on, my family, fine. But if my colleague doesn't want that, then, you know, I want to learn how to treat them like they want to be treated. And so I hold that call and that text message until the morning or I'll make sure I hit them before five before they leave and, and depart for their, you know, the, the rest of their journey. Um the, the transferable skills are, you know, undeniable. I mean, travel, uh, scheduling games as a CEO right now, I'm scheduling games, you know, guarantee games. I'm, I'm working with my colleagues to see how we can, you know, build budget. So yes, we give them budget, but we also, um, want them to fundraise and we want them to, um, think of other creative, um, incentives to get people to rally around their programs to build attendance. I'm looking at attendance numbers from last year for basketball and trying trying to develop the plan for growth for this year for basketball. Those are conversations that me and my coaches have to have. Um, those are things that sometimes you don't pay attention to when you're an assistant coach. But if you were looking to get in a head coach role, it's not just X's and O's. It's really about business. It's the, the business of sports. And so you, you can you can see how those things build if you slow down and you reflect enough and you get into some professional development where people can teach you and coach you up. And you're not just thinking about the next play, the next player. Um, you really got to be thinking about the, the, the total purpose of why you're doing what you're doing, how it's benefiting um, your student athletes, which the ultimate benefit for them is th- this is my philosophy. My student athletes should earn their degree. That's, that's no question about that. But I want them to win a championship in the four years that they're with me in, in my program. And then I also want them to have the best collegiate experience they could possibly have because I, I got that, that my college days were my best days. And so, you know, and I know coaches that I work with and for now, that's what they want too. So how as a COO or an assistant athletic director or a senior associate athletic director or an assistant coach, you help build the um, the um, business model in a way that every four years you're going to your 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 prospects going to come in here. They're going to graduate. They're going to earn a chance. They're going to win a championship and they're going to they're going to come back as great alums because they had such a great experience. Think about that in the staff perspective as well. You hire staff and you know how there's a lot of turnover. When I got to Riverside, there was such a turnstile in that program. I slowed it all the way down. I, I told him, I said, look, we're not hiring anybody no, not all, in, in no role without them coming to sit down with me because I want to be able to tell them as the athletic director at, at UCR that I'm going to be here. I'm going to commit to this place and I need them to come and commit to. I don't need this to be a stepping stone for them. I need them to really come in and be able to lock in with our student athletes, coaches and staff so we can build something special. And we slowed that down a little bit. But you think about now, you know, at Kennesaw, I may have had I may have been a part of 25 searches in my 18, 20 months here. Then that is not an exaggeration. But, you know, uh, part of being being a, a visionary is being able to anticipate what, you know, this mass exodus of college athletics, 
how you continue to build the pipeline. And that's why things, you know, programs like the right fit in, in um, you know, organizations um, that are really, you know, buying into the future of college athletics is so important. Well, we're going to take a commercial break and we'll come back and we're going to talk about what the show is really all about, the um, interview process and the selection process. You're listening and watching The Right Fit. The Right Fit Podcast is brought to you by Rising Coaches Search and Consulting. Tired of spending what seems like all of your time and budget filling coaching vacancies? Let Rising Coaches Search and Consulting handle your next coaching search. Our process is simple. We identify, vet, and recruit a talented and diverse group of professionals that fits your institution's profile. All for a low price that we guarantee will beat our competitions. Plus, all of your searches will be handled by former coaches, meaning we will get the best possible insight on all of your candidates, and you'll get the perspective that only a former coach could provide. For testimonials, a full client list, or more information, please visit risingcoaches.com. Welcome back to The Right Fit. I'm your host, Daryl Jacobs. I'm with my guest today, Tamika Smith-Jones, Chief Operating Officer at Kennesaw State University. And we're going to get into the interview process. Um, Tamika, you have been a part of and led so many interviews. You just mentioned how many you've been a part of at Kennesaw State University, you know, as well. And this show is all about right, right fit. Give me two do's and don'ts when interviewing. Yeah, so um, I think you do um, make sure you're very prepared, that you bring good energy in, 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 your, in your presentation and that you're authentic, that, you know, what people are seeing in your interview process when you show up to their campus, is give, if given an opportunity, that's, that's what you're going to get. Um, don't, I think, is, you know, a lot of times, you know, people try to um, answer questions and, and may say some things poorly or more critical about former employees. I think that's that's one of those things where you've got to be able to finesse your experiences in a way that, you know, you stay um, truthful, honest, but um, also positive. You know, the growth and the learning that you've gotten out of, of, of every experience, I think it's important that um, that the interviewer will translate that as if there is a challenge here that, you know, they can overcome that challenge and how they're going to present, you know, to internally, to the public or, you know, elsewhere, um, those challenges. So those are those are two things that I would I would point out. You know, and, and collegiate athletics is so ever changing and, you know, everything that they everything is trending, as you know, on social media and even involving in collegiate athletics and professional sports as well. Talk about some trends you think. Uh, people should know or stay abreast of in collegiate athletics? Well, um, everybody must stay abreast of what's happening with the Transformation Committee and and understanding where college athletics may be in the next year, three, five years, um, as it relates to uh, legislation just came down with um, with um, um, transfers and how they would be, you know, treated in, in, in their process and, and things that they need, whether that's student athlete friendly or not, uh, is, is the case, uh, or the call or concern. Um, also with name, image, and likeness, I think, you know, 
um, college athletics is really given given student athletes an opportunity to, you know, um, be their brand. And, you know, it, it, it's some it's something to say that, you know, I, I could be Jones and not be able to promote myself as Jones only can promote myself as Kennesaw State. And so uh, I really appreciate the way that, you know, after a year of, of um, the NIL that we're continuing to evolve and continue to be able to show our student athletes how to leverage their name, image and likeness. And I think, you know, that's something that they deserve. They earn is, is their right. And um, we do need uh, some more regulations around it. I believe um, right now, you know, every state is doing something different, you know, and nobody wants to, you know, really talk about the collectives that are happening. And, um, but I think that, you know, done right, I think is a good, it's a good, it's a good business opportunity for our student athletes to learn entrepreneurship and something that they can take um, in addition to their collegiate experience, which four years in college athletics plan and, and giving out your heart and your soul, um, blood, sweat and tears, earning a degree, you should be able to come out with some entrepreneurship skills too. So those are those are two things. And then the last thing I would I would mention is, you know, still on the rise is the diversity, equity, inclusion piece. I think that you know we're seeing um, a lot of that impact. Um, I would like to see it more sustainable. Uh, I'd like to see more minority coaches get an opportunity to get in the seat. Um, it's amazing how much risk we take on others. <laughs> And we won't give one minority coach an opportunity to showcase that potential and that they've been, you know, prepared and, and their skill to to lead a program. Um, quite frankly, many of them that look like them. So um, those are a couple of, of industry um, trends and things that that I think we all should stay abreast of. Well, definitely the transformational committee. I knew they was going to tackle um, that transfer portal, they had to get the arms wrapped around that more than anything else. And, and NIL is coming next, believe me, um, when I tell you. And that's the business of sports now. You know, the good thing about the NIL is now that the student athletes can get a chance to develop their business acronym, understand that their brand, understand financial literacy, and et cetera, et cetera. So hopefully um, the NCAA and the state's Congress one day can get together and regulate this thing. Good luck. <laughs> it won't be a free-for-all as it is now. Let's talk about job opportunities that may be on the horizon in collegiate athletics. You know, you talk about NIL, um, you know, could be mental health. You know, talk about some of the job opportunities you think may be on the horizon in collegiate athletics. Yeah, um, I, I've seen some very interesting things in the last year. I mean, you have um, directors of NIL as a position. I think Ohio State has that. You've got um, – um, I think uh, I think Duke has the the special assistant to the you know uh, women's and men's basketball program that may not be the title but it's a it's a elite title like a, a pro title um, for their basketball program. I think you'll see a lot more um, with the sports psychologists, of course, but also with um, dietitians and nutritionists uh, for programs. I mean, you know, the the way that our student athletes are competing right now and and working and training you know, they've got to be, they got to continue to be fueled uh, properly. And uh, we can't leave that to them to, to figure out. I mean, they're 18 to 22 year olds. So I, you know, I think about what my son is doing right now as a, as a, as an 18, 19 year old, like, you know, he's 
eating junk food all day and trying to play basketball. So it's, you know, I think that that nutrition and dietitian piece of it, especially, you know, I'm a, I'm a real, you know, holistic mind person. And so I, I like to make sure that student athletes have a holistic mindset. And so to make sure that that part is in their thought process, that their psyche is good, mental health piece, their, you know, um, their diet is good, that nutritious piece. And then, you know, coaches take care of that, that sport, you know, their academic counselors take care of that academic piece, but, you know, trying to figure out what those other pieces, you know, may, may be from a job opportunity, I think, you know, is, is really good. And I, I like, I like, um, to see more focus in each sport for those types of things. I know we don't have the resources perhaps right now and some especially mid-majors like a Kennesaw State to um, get like specialist assistant attention to programs that can pay attention to all that, but I think that would be good. I've also seen um, um, DI liaisons, diversity and equity inclusion liaisons for sports, um, sports in particular like football at the Power 5 level. So that's interesting and unique way to make sure that you know, those things that need to be covered off on for um, particular sports, the cultural competencies and things like that, that you have someone dedicated in that sport already to take care of that versus, you know, you having a campus person trying to do it for four or five hundred student athletes or 200 staff people. You you can you can really, you know, tap in um, really close. And I think also. Um, the COO in athletics has been, you know, trending, um, you know, lately. I think that's a, a um, position that um, is needed. Uh, I think they're, you know, I've served in a senior associate for internal affairs role. It is similar to what I do in the COO role, but the COO role is is a bit more, um, you know, elevated in in the way that you know I have to think and engage in um, the high level things of our athletic department and our campus connectivity and our community business development piece of it, if that makes sense. In my senior um, associate role, like at UTSA, um, it it was really, for internal affairs, it was really more touching the coaches and making sure that the internal business and, and operations was running internally. Even though I did a lot of campus and community things, but the COO role that I'm in now, it is really um, all campus, all, all internal athletics, a lot of campus and a, a, a good fraction of my time is with community, um, you know, affiliates and, and the business development. How do we get better? How do we connect the, the, the Kennesaw and the Cobb County and the Atlanta community with what we're doing in athletics? So. Um, those are some of the, the the things about you know college athletics and job opportunities and how it's trending that I could I could share now. Let's talk about how do you stand out during the interview process? I call them differentiators. You know, mm-hmm. people often ask me, you know, how can I stand out, particularly when they're interviewing for coaching jobs. I always said, you know, I've every coaching job I interviewed for, and when I was coaching, I got. You know, I just said it was luck whatever the case may be. But talk about how can someone differentiate itself as a candidate um, in the interview process? That's a great question. I, I think, you know, first of all, you have to sell your strengths. I mean, you have to sell your expertise. There's no doubt about it. Um, people want to know, you know, you can do the job and, you know, um, how you can take what you're doing and, and, and what they're asking you to do and make it better. 
um, being able to build on the skills and the the, the um, experiences that you've already had um, and show them exactly what they're looking for is critically important, but also being able to show them vision of what they could possibly be based on some of your experiences um, and um, vision that you have for, you know, the skill sets that you, you, you may be able to you may be able to um, align with them, their mission and vision. I thought, I think it's also important for, you know, you to connect with um, the, the team of people you're interviewing with. You know, sometimes we're so, so fast and so busy answering the question. We, you know, we answer the question and we shut up. And sometimes you need to do that. But sometimes you, you, you've got to be able to read the room and the audience. You have done your homework. You know who you're talking to. You can be able to, to make that one connection with someone that, you know, you may have, you know, um, attended the same school or you you may have worked in the same on the same committee or you, you know, you've made you've done a similar research project. I think that's that's invaluable because a lot of people are looking for commonality. A lot of times as diverse candidates, we don't get the opportunity because, you know, we had made them feel comfortable. You know, I hate that. But, you know, it, it is what it is. You got to, you know, make everybody feel comfortable. Right. I, I, I really um, like the fact that sometimes I can make people feel uncomfortable and get them to think on another side of their brain. It's the way that I've grown and developed in my career. It's the way I've sharpened my skill sets. And um, I think we don't spend enough time being reflective in our interview processes either. Once you finish that interview process, you really need to sit down with yourself and take notes about what did I do? How could I have done better? What question? I do it every time. What question did I not fully answer? What, What did I want to say more about? And guess what I do? I send an email, thank you to everybody on that committee, and I address whatever question they ask me a little bit better if I feel like I did not finish that thought. And so it leaves no doubt. Most of the time I get a response to it saying, thank you. You know, that, or they start talking about other stuff and, it, and, and, you know, get the job or not. We become, you know, genuine colleagues in this thing. And, and sometimes, you know, they, they give you a call back like UTSA did. Um, I, I, I actually was called about UTSA a year before I even went to the interview and took the job. So you just, I mean, college athletics is a big enterprise, but it's so connected. And so you, you want to use every opportunity in the interview to not just, you know, go after the job, get, get the job or not, but to, you know, build relationships and deeper relationships with people that ultimately may be voting you on a committee or a board or, you know, calling you to be their next, you know, chief operating officer. Well, you, you hit it right in the head. I often said, you know, when I was interviewing, I found the commonality. Um, I read the room. Um, I did my research on who was part of the committee and, and made sure I hit upon the commonality or found a commonality, you know, with that individual um, as well. Last question, best part of the show. I love this part of the show, word association. I say a person place a thing or phrase and you say the first thing come to mind and you can smile on it if you care to as well. Um, Alabama State. Boo, a <laughs> and Bulldogs are never gonna cheer for Alabama State. Yeah, I figured I'd ask the question. I love HBCUs and the swag, but you know, the Hornets. 
Well, I was going to ask that question because you know, I got a lot of Alabama State people watch watch the show. I said I got an A and M graduate coming on, so I wanted you, you to tell you tell the Alabama State folks. Uh, well, they'll be watching the show that I love them, but a bulldog would never. <laughs> well, hey, they, they, they trust me. They they going to hear you as well. <laughs> Collegiate athletics. Love it. It, it has um, been the joy of my life, uh, being able to find a, a, a career in collegiate athletics has you know, been a dream come true. I did not chart this path for me. I know it's God, God divined and just thankful for everyone that has been a part of the journey and that has um, uplifted me and, and given me an opportunity to uh, continue to, to develop and grow. And I see every day in all of my student athletes, the Tamika that was back in the nineties trying to find her way. And so I try to impart everything that I have for them um, based on my 25 years of growth so that they, you know, they'll have a better journey and, and, and it's fulfilling for them as well. You know, you hit upon this, the, the next word family. Family boy. Uh, you know, I have, I have F's as my priorities every day. That's my fitness. I get up and work out my faith in God and my family and fun. I consider my, my, my fun is being in college athletics, but my family, I mean, not having them and the support and being able to come home, wake up to them every day, come home to them every evening, being able to, to you know, have my kids travel with me for 20, well, they ain't 20, I guess 18 years. My, my son, as you know, grew up on a college campus a um, little tougher getting my daughter on the college campuses than than my son is, but you know my well, daughter. Don't has rush been, her. Don't rush her. I'm not. I'm not gonna rush her. But she's been to volleyball camp at Kennesaw, soccer camp at Kennesaw. She loves soccer, but you know, family is everything. And to be able to be in a profession where you can marry that has been has been really sweet. And finally, Kennesaw State University. You hadn't even we hadn't even scratched the surface at Kennesaw State. It is such an amazing place. Uh, I'm from Atlanta. I saw Kennesaw State when it was a junior college. It is an FBS R2 institution, high research institution right now, like hundreds of acres of land. We're looking at 30 acres right now for development. I mean, it's it's just um, to be able to be a part of what is what's happening on Kennesaw State right now uh, in my hometown is is unbelievable, and I'm just grateful to, um, you know, be on the team. Kennesaw State is is sleeping giant, but I'm here to make sure that everybody knows about them um, in the next you know era to come. Well, I always thought, and we talked about this even when we were working together at Clark and Atlanta University, I always thought Kennesaw State University was a sleeping giant. Um, and now they brought somebody in that can wake them up, and that's you. <laughs> oh, we will. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tabitha Smith-Jones, thank you for joining me this afternoon. I want to thank you. Thank you for you. having me, Daryl. <laughs> Such a pleasure. Keep doing the great work, rising coaches, right fit. I'm, I'm well, so proud of you. Well, we got the foundation. I know where it came from us working together and you're, you're part of this foundation that I'm doing now as well. But I want to thank the viewers and listeners for tuning in this afternoon as well. Join me next Friday with another great guest here on The Right Fit. Until then, please stay healthy, stay safe, and have a wonderful weekend. The Right Fit Podcast is brought to you by Rising Coaches Search and Consulting. 
Tired of spending what seems like all of your time and budget filling coaching vacancies? Let Rising Coaches Search and Consulting handle your next coaching search. Our process is simple. We identify, vet, and recruit a talented and diverse group of professionals that fits your institution's profile. All for a low price that we guarantee will beat our competitions. Plus, all of your searches will be handled by former coaches, meaning we will get the best possible insight on all of your candidates, and you'll get the perspective that only a former coach could provide. For testimonials, a full client list, or more information, please visit risingcoaches.com.